This episode of Chicago's Bravest Story is brought to you by Chicagoland 1-800-BOARDUP. Corey, you know a lot about BoardUp. Man, I am a BoardUp guy from way back then. <laughs> so, um, you know, again, for a lot of you guys that uh, are, are, aren't are super familiar with what BoardUp companies do, um, post-fire, we've got a lot of openings in the house. we got a, a lot of orifices, if you will. Orifices. And, um, and... Board of companies show up and they they get you lined up. And these guys at Chicago and 1-800 Board Up are the best in the business, pal. Well, they're all about their victim assistance. So they'll take you from the fire all the way back to bringing you back into the house post-fire. Yeah, it's not just about like fixing the house. It's about helping the, the person that, right. that was involved. It's not just putting plywood on your windows yeah. after a fire. It's about taking care of the victims. They have this saying about after the fire, now what? These guys will answer all those questions. They'll take care of everything, but you got to reach out to them. You can find them on Facebook at Chicagoland 1-800-BOARDUP. And if you go to our social media, we have the QR code and just scan that QR code. It'll take you right there. Yeah, man. Um, and on top of fire restoration, they also do water damage, wind damage. Um, again, these guys, like, pretty much, if there's a disaster, if there's something terrible that's, that's going on, they're going to help. They're going to prop you up and help you out in whatever way they can. Yeah, they, are, they know what they're doing. They've had 10 years of supporting the fire service and even more than that of restoration, everything else. We, you went to the whole list on our last episode here about wind damage restoring fine artwork everything else anything that you need post-fire chicagoland 18 board up can provide This is the stuff of superhero movies, but this was a real-life fire rescue. 1.30 this afternoon, flames broke out inside apartment D here at the Lennox Terrace Apartments in Harlem by West 133rd Street. By the time crews arrived, there was heavy smoke, but most troubling, there was a woman hanging outside her window, hanging onto the sill, trying to avoid the heat and flames. Fire crews had a nanosecond to figure out how to rescue her, so they opted for a technique not used very often. It is difficult, it is daring, but in the end, it proved successful. They executed what's called a roof rope rescue, where they lowered a firefighter to the woman to secure her and bring her to safety. Firefighter Brian Quinn had only one mission in mind, to make sure the woman didn't fall or jump in her panic. I was right behind her, so if she did decide to jump or let go, I was holding her to the glass. I had one arm inside the window and I was holding onto the wall there and I had my other arm around her waist. And what was going through my mind, I just, I didn't want to see anybody fall. That was all I cared about. I just wanted to get her inside. This is why firefighters practice, practice, 
practice so that when such emergencies arise, they can execute without mistakes. The resident was pretty shaken while outside her windows 16 floors up, but was taken back inside safely and quickly. This is really a heroic rescue, and it really shows the talent and the bravery of the members of New York City Fire Department. Um, something that's rarely done, and yet they exercise their skills quickly, they assess the situation quickly, and they did what had to be done. Well, that was an excerpt from a news clip that uh, was from a little while ago, but I had put out to the listening audience a search for this guy because we wanted to have him tell his story. And in two days, we were able to find him. And we're fortunate enough to have that uh, Brian Quinn on the line right now. He just finished a shift. I understand you're on your commute home. Is that right, Brian? Yep. I got an hour and 45 minutes to kill. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll, well, hopefully you and I can wrap this up in an hour and 45 minutes. Maybe we can help your commute. <laughs> yeah, it'll, it'll help. Thank you so much for it. It's amazing to me that I put this out there and we were able to find you. First of all, how how did who got a hold of you that we can give him credit for finding you? Okay, so my my buddy Lyndon Rukai, he works in thirty with me. Uh, he texted me. I don't know when you put it out, but he was the first guy, and then a couple guys after that that I work with, uh, they also reached out to me after he did, but. I'll give him credit because he was first. (laughs) (laughs) I'm always under the impression that nobody listens to this podcast. So the fact that the five people who listen to this podcast actually were able to get a hold of you is amazing to me. So, uh, Brian, I kind of explained to you uh, uh, why we're we're kind of short-staffed here. Don't get in an accident, buddy. (laughs) Sorry about that. I'm in Harlem right now. It's rush hour. (laughs) (laughs) You uh, you had this uh, uh, roof rope rescue that I saw an article with your commissioner who had nothing but high praise for you guys. That was him at the end of that clip, uh, giving you guys high praise. And at the time of your rope rescue, he said that there was only two other ones done prior to you. But ironically enough, between the time that you and I first started chatting to the time that we have you on, there was uh, at least one more that took place. And since the time that you did your rescue to now, there had been several others. Have you heard of those guys pulling off basically the same move that you've done? Oh, yeah. So, well, historically throughout the FDNY, there have been many roof rope rescues, but, you know, they're, they're rare. They're spread out over the years. But uh, after, I think there was one three years before uh, me and my group did did mine. And then in the same month after that, uh, a guy in 23 truck, which is right up the street from my firehouse, uh, this guy, Abe Miller, he did one and he saved a, a, like a three-year-old kid. So it, uh, I don't know if it's, I don't think it sparked it. I just think that, you know, ironically, the situation started presenting itself uh, a lot more in the last couple of years. And since Abe, there's been, there's been two more. One was just last week. There was a, a guy in Brooklyn. He made a roof rope rescue and it was just like a textbook job. Um, top floor fire. There was a naked guy hanging out a window. 
And, you know, this guy, he was an engine detail, which happens a lot over here where we have guys that, you know, aren't assigned to truck companies, but they get assigned to truck companies for a day tour. And uh, he, yeah, he did a textbook job. I know the guy on the roof, he did a textbook job because it, it went smooth and fast. And uh, now he's going to go to Metal Day. And uh, the, there was actually one earlier, a few months ago, which was, it was, was crazy. That, I, was I, that the girl who they, during the rescue, they're pulling her pants down? Yeah. So her, <laughs> I saw that. I mean, yeah, that was, that was crazy. Like you just see, yeah, she's wearing a thong too. That was, uh, <laughs> <You're right. laughs> that was very different. But, uh, that one, the reason why her pants got pulled down is because, uh, her arm had gotten stuck in a child gate and actually, I think she got pretty fairly injured, like broken arm. So her, her, she was just hanging by her arm from a child gate when they were trying to take her off the ledge. That's why her pants got pulled down. So the first guy that went, uh, she wasn't able to free herself. And then I guess, you know, with the communication that they did, they said, Hey, we need a tool to break this child gate out. So the next guy was able to uh, go over and get her. Oh man. So in the, because it was kind of like your rescue where he was bear hugging her and he kept going down, but then her arm was keeping her up there. So he's just pulling everything and that, that he unfortunately pulled her pants down. And uh, yeah, that, because if you, if you look at, if, you know, anybody can do a Google search and look up, you know, roof rope rescue. And that, that's one of the ones that comes up. Yeah. <laughs> Brian, you dirty dog. Yeah. <laughs> but but the lady that, that you had, and, you know, I want you to, to go into a little detail here because um, uh, I think it's ridiculously cool that you guys get to do this. N- number one, this came in as a still in a high rise. Is that how you guys categorize these? I'm sorry, a, a still you said? A still. Do you guys use terms like still and box and stuff like that? Okay, yeah, like we, we call them a it's a box. So we have different box numbers for you know different areas in the city, but it, it came in as a, uh, you know, a fire. And luckily for us, the, the building is right down the block. You could see it from the firehouse. So, uh, so you guys knew it was a fire right away, right away. Yeah. I, so I had the, uh, OV position. I don't know what positions you guys have, but we have the outside vent position. And in, in my company, the OV, he goes out and he stops traffic when we're pulling out of quarters. Yeah. So right as I walked outside to stop traffic, I looked down the block and I could see smoke and I could see, um, I could see residents in the other, uh, in the other buildings, there's 17 story buildings. I could see them all pointing on their balconies. So it, it was an indicator like right away, like I said over the radio, yeah, we definitely got something. And then the engine company pulls out the truck pulls out after them and it was a short ride, like a two second ride. It's right at the end of our block. (laughs) Chicago's bravest stories would also like to thank the yard foundation for their continued support with the podcast and their service to first responders across the country. Established in 2015 as a firefighter training group on Facebook, the Yard Foundation has grown to over 50,000 members. They foster a community that mirrored the camaraderie of a firehouse where jokes and laughter were shared. 
But when time came to support one another, we all united and rallied behind a common cause. Well, the Yard Foundation has helped people that were personally close to you and I, Mm -hmm. without question, without paperwork, without anything. These guys are literally showing up on people's doorsteps saying, hey, take this money to get you by. We know you're in some trouble. Just take this. We'll figure out the rest from there. Yeah. I mean, again, if you guys know any of these people from the Yard Foundation, Tony, Aaron, Amy, John. Clem. Yeah. These guys, I mean, again, you if, if you're just going off these people's character, this thing can't lose. If you ever want to support a program that just helps us without the red tape of the bureaucracy money that you donate and that goes from the t-shirts that you buy or the whatever it is that they're doing to raise money it's a nonprofit, so whatever you're giving goes right to people that need the money the most so if you're gonna get behind an organization get behind the yard foundation Make sure to support them on all other social media platforms. And again, visit theyardfoundation.org and donate now, please. You guys get there, and this was on the 16th floor is where you grabbed the lady, and the fire was on the 17th floor? Is that correct? No. Right? Uh, the fire was her apartment. She was in the 16th. She was, I don't remember the, the letter apartment, but she was on the 16th floor. Oh, that's what pushed her out to the ledge, huh? Yes. Oh, okay. So, yeah, it, start, it was a, a kitchen fire that was uh, pretty well advanced. And uh, she was in her bedroom. And so as the OV guy, like usually you're supposed to do a perimeter of the building. But uh, my chauffeur, as soon as we pulled up, my chauffeur, Nick Foley, I saw him to that side of the building and I was like I know we we have something so I just said to him like on the radio hey Nick I'm gonna go up because just so I know I know when there's a life like we always say like life takes precedence so like the the rule book it doesn't go out the window but I, you, you kind of like need to know when where you're needed you know what, what are we going to do from the outside of the building when there's the fire's on the 16th floor. You know, we can't reach it. So I, I, I knew that I had to get up there to assist however I could. You're on a ladder truck, Brian? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And how, in New York, how high does that ladder, what floor can you guys reach with a ladder truck? So depending on how close you can get to the building, I've done a nine-story climb, and it was like right to the tip of the aerial <laughs> with like a, like a manageable uh, um, like a manageable angle, angle. to climb. Yeah. yeah. So that's the highest that I've ever, you know, done. I don't know, like if anybody could get closer to the building and get to the 10th yeah. floor, but it's a, it's a hundred foot aerial ladder. Yeah. But you knew that you weren't extending the ladder. You, this, you guys are going up no matter what. Right. Yeah. So we, we, we took the elevator and we take the elevator to two floors below the fire and then you take the stairs from there just in case, you know, you, you get the wrong floor. And if, you know, if you open the elevator doors and then you got a heavy smoke condition, now you guys are all trapped in the elevator. Yeah. So we go to, we go two floors below the fire and, and walk up the stairs from there. Brian, what is that neighborhood called where you, where you work? I work in Harlem. 
super busy, I imagine, Harlem. I mean, I can't, I can't imagine that it's that you guys have any slow boroughs, but I imagine like Harlem is one of the busier boroughs in New York, right? Yeah. Well, so Manhattan in general uh, is a, you know, high, uh, really high population. So a lot of companies in Manhattan are, are very busy, specifically the engine companies, because our engine companies, um, we do EMS runs as well. So my, my, in my house, engine 59, these guys are running all day and night. They're, uh, they're constantly out the door and <clears throat> yeah, they, we we're, we're really busy. I wish, you know, I could say this. I wish we had a little more fire duty mixed in with all the, with all the <laughs> other runs just for exp- experience wise. But, uh, yeah, it is what it is. We, we do run around quite a bit in the truck too. So the truck doesn't do any EMS runs. Uh, we, we do like if, uh, if we, we don't drive by somebody, if they're laid out on the street, like if, uh, we get verbals sometimes where people will come up to the truck, if we're coming back from whatever box we were on and they'll say like, Hey, can you help this guy out? And then we'll do a verbal and, uh, you know, call it in, provide whatever aid we can until an ambulance gets there. Okay. But you guys aren't being toned out for EMS runs or anything like that, right? No, not unless something, not unless something, you know, if, if there's like a multiple alarm going on somewhere and all the other companies are, uh, they're already tasked with something, then we might get something in the odd chance. But the truck company doesn't really go out on EMS runs, no. In Chicago, everybody who comes on now has to go to the EMT school, and it's a minimum requirement uh, for any firefighter in the city of Chicago now to be trained at the EMT level. What about New York? Yeah, we have the uh, we have the same thing. It's uh, we have certified first responder, so uh, we have you know CFR refreshers. Um, I'm not really sure. I don't remember how like. I went like maybe a year ago or so. I, I don't remember exact the exact date, but at, with you know, at, as your career goes on, you have to go to these refreshers, and it's uh, five weeks long, and it's uh, once a week. Basic EMS stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like sucking chest wounds, um, uh, CPR. A lot. There's a lot that goes in, and now they implemented like inserting teeth. If somebody's teeth, like I remember <laughs> the last CFR I went to, there. They had us learning how to like reinsert somebody's teeth, which was odd. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Well, yeah. you know what? And I keep hearing stories that, you know, maybe this comes in uh, handy for you guys out there that you guys are always fighting with the police. Uh, well, our hockey games get interesting. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw the hockey game and I was yeah. like, God damn. God damn. Yeah. New York. Well, my company, we try to be, uh, we're, I get along great with every cop we've ever dealt with. You know, we're all out there like putting ourselves in like in harm's way. So I, I, I respect the cops and they have a really tough job. Uh, you know, so I, I, I don't fight with any cops. <laughs> but you know what? And I've kind of heard about that, that animosity between police and fire in New York for as long back as I can remember. Any idea where that that rivalry stems from? Because in Chicago, I feel very blessed that our relationship with the police is is like amazing. We we get along great on the street. Um, you know, these are trying times for everybody. You know, like New York is no different than Chicago. We we go through the same shit. So people are getting a little fried right now. You know, it's like 
uh, the, especially what the police are going through nowadays is is pretty stressful, and uh, everybody's kind of a little stressed out right now. But yeah, uh, any any idea where that that stems from? Because I heard about you guys fighting all the time. Yeah, um, I think it's more of like a like a brotherly uh, rivalry. I don't know if we we don't have real animosity toward each other. Like I, we will, you know. Sometimes I guess uh, the ESU cops and us will kind of not be racing to like we don't know if they're on it or not. But if we have like a pin job or something like that, like we want to be the ones that get to do the work and like you know use our tools that we train on all the time. So it's not often that you get to you know get them out and get them working. And when we see the ESU guys there and they're already working on the vehicle, we're like, damn, like you know they beat us here. But I don't really have any. I don't know of any examples of any, like, firemen and cops, like, you know, getting into a fist fight on duty or anything like that. Maybe a little argument, like I said, when we... Yeah, I could see that if you guys are trying to get the same job and you guys are... The ESU are the police... uh, What are they called? What's the acronym for ESU? Emergency Services. Yeah, Emergency Services Unit, and they have, like, a... They have, like, a a pickup truck, like, a beefed-up pickup truck, and they even have, like, a almost like a fire truck uh, where they, yeah, they have all the, the tools that basically we have. I, I've never like inspected one of their vehicles, but they do have a hearse stool and airbags and cutting tools and basically car accident stuff. So yeah, when we see them there and we're, when they're working on something, it's like kind of like, damn, we didn't get here fast enough. Let's, you know, <laughs> you better be careful. Those guys will be reaching doors for you guys and stuff pretty soon. Uh, they don't got they don't they don't got to breach our doors. We 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 get those doors open. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to go back to to your story, man. So you get up to the sixteenth floor, and you guys. Now, why did you you saw her hanging from what? That made the decision for you that you guys are going to go from the outside because you guys hadn't even made the push into her into her uh house yet when did you guys make that decision was your off was it your officer who said hey go do that and then do you volunteer for that or is that position to to be tethered from the rope uh actual position when you decide to do a rope rescue yeah so um it actually i just got lucky like uh i went you know my lieutenant norwich he was my officer that day he was like bro i go give pat a hand so uh, Pat Terrell, he works in engine 59. He's my good friend. And he was detailed into the truck that day. And he, you know, so I usually, if there's nobody home, you know, forcing an, a door in a, in a apartment building by yourself could be more difficult. So he'd basically send me up there to go give him a hand, uh, getting in to the apartment above while they were trying to get into the apartment below. So what this woman had on her door, uh, I don't know if you've heard of of police locks. Do you know what that is? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like it's like a leaning bar under the knob. Basically like putting it, yeah, so she had something like that. It got the fork, it has the forks of like a halligan that goes right under the doorknob? Yep, yep. It had the forks of like a halligan under her doorknob down to like a rubber knob that was wedged under her door on top of her door being locked with two locks. So they send one guy to go to the top and try to get in from the other side? 
because yeah, uh, you're, so that, you're expecting the door to be that that difficult to get in? Well, so the inside team, they go directly to the fire. And then the roof man, his assignment is the apartment above the fire. And so, you know, clear any obstructions unless, in case you do need to do a roof rope rescue, monitor the wind conditions, give a layout of the apartment uh, to see, um, you know, give the guys downstairs if it's like lights out it'll give them a heads up like hey do a left-hand search the fires in the apartment on the off the left-hand search you know it's like give a simple layout of what they're going into and uh that's what the roof man is supposed to do but seeing as it's a high floor me being the ov i went up to give the roof man a hand and uh they were home they let us right in i remember saying to Pat, like, hey, give go give a layout. And just by luck, the first window that I went to, I put my head out, I looked down, and there was a lady standing on her windowsill with a little Pomeranian in her hand. <laughs> and, it, you know, it, it caught me by surprise because we did get a report that somebody was hanging out a window. But uh, so I'm, I'm seeing her, and there's just, you know, smoke coming around her. And she's covered in soot and she's crying and she's screaming and she's like in a full panic. So, yeah, she got out that window like a pretty good ways. She's standing like a good ways out that window. Oh, yeah. So it was like a, those were a lot, it was like a four panel across window. And the windowsill that she was standing on was maybe six inches thick. Jeez. And she was holding on to a, uh, like a wire screen. She, she had nothing to grab onto except for like a little, like a wire, a flimsy wire screen. Fuck, and she's 16 stories up, huh? Yeah, and she, originally, she was trying to hand me her dog, and <laughs> I, I couldn't reach her. You know, like, it was, I, I probably had four feet to go before I could touch her hand, and she's trying to pass the dog to me, and I'm just like, stop moving around, stop moving around, <laughs> like, put the dog back to inside, and... I was thinking that my, you know, the inside team would be, if, it, if there hadn't been that police lock on the door, they would have been in there. They would have gotten to her much faster. We wouldn't have been, you know, we wouldn't have had that much time to set up for a roof rope. But just for, you know, I didn't want to, we had to do something up there. You know, I didn't want to watch this lady fall, so. Yeah, 100%. You guys don't know how long it's going to take them to get through that door so this lady's hanging on by six inches of ledge holding on to a, a screen she's not going to last out there very long right yeah and she was in a she was moving around she was very active too it wasn't like she was just like yeah. standing in place she was walking back and forth and i was just like you gotta stop moving she's wearing socks too like i was <laughs> i was talking to her for a while before i even went out the window uh just trying to keep her there Hey Brian, when the guy goes to the roof, is is he is that part of what he's supposed to take up with him? Is a rope? Right. So, um, what do you take when you you're that guy and they send you up there? You what what should you always have with you? Right. So when you're a uh, when you're the roof fireman at a class one or a fireproof building, we call them like our high rises, like anything that's we have different we have different types of buildings. We have tenements fire you know so it 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 changes depending on the class of building that you're going to so a class one building like that the roof fireman first dude doesn't bring a rope 
his his tool assignment is a um, it's the KO curtain, it's a Halligan, and it's the uh, Hydra Ram. That's the first new Roofman's tool assignment. So you, you don't have a rope up there, so you're kind of like waiting for the second new company to get there at, with the rope. You've reached Josh Phillips. Sorry, missed your call. Please leave me a message and I'll get back to you as soon as possible. Thank you. At the tone, please record your message. When you have finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. This episode of Chicago's Bravest Stories was supposed to be brought to you by the Frontline Team. Josh, tell us about the current state of mortgages and some of the great, great services at the Frontline Team. That's terrific. We were going to tell everyone to reach out to the Frontline team on their Facebook and Instagram. It sure would have been wonderful if we would have done that, huh, Ben? But I guarantee Josh is out there closing right now. Oh, this guy does not. He's having coffee. You know why he's having coffee, Corey? (laughs) Why is he having coffee? Because coffee's for closers. Coffee is for closers. Okay. I guarantee you somebody's calling him right now. He can't pick up the phone because they're having an issue. And you know what? Josh is there. Nine o'clock at night. Nine the only reason he's night. not picking up the phone is because he's closing. He's closing. That's mm-hmm. the only reason for him not to pick up the phone. This voicemail is brought to you by the Frontline team. <laughs> so in, in this particular incident, he didn't have a rope. And you get, did you guys have to wait for somebody to get you a rope? Yeah, so that was like the longest two minutes it felt in my entire <laughs> life. <laughs> So I, I didn't want to leave the window because I didn't want her to lose sight of me. Yeah. Uh, in case she, you know, if she felt like hopeless or whatever, like jump. So I was just like making sure that I stayed right there. And I remember saying to Pat, like, Pat, we need a rope up here. So he's calling for the rope on the radio. He's calling 28. We need your rope. 28. We need your rope. And, uh, they were, they were on their way in They're Uh, they're on, we're on West 133rd. They're on West 143. So they're 10 blocks away. We were up there really quickly. They had to make their way over there. They got there quick as well, but I don't think they were on the initial picket. But when they got there, uh, I remember we're in the room, and uh, I turn and I see a guy that I didn't recognize. His name's Mark Heingardner. He works in 25 Truck downtown, which, you know, we I, I'm unfamiliar with him, but Thank God it was him because he was a rope instructor in the fire academy. (laughs) (laughs) So he just, I like turned to him and I was like, we got to go right now. She's on the ledge. And, uh, he just dropped the bag, handed me the the hook. I clipped it onto my harness and him and him and, uh, Pat, they came up with the substantial object. We were, we're supposed to tie off to something before we go out. And, we didn't have anything. There was nothing up there, huh? Right. What? Like it would have, you know, it took some ingenuity and, um, luckily I have excellent leadership in my firehouse, my captain, captain Leach and all the, you know, Nick, uh, Keith, the and all the senior guys that I worked with, they drill our balls off. They, they make sure that we're ready to go whenever, you know, whenever it happens. And, uh, 
he showed us a trick where we can use the roof hook, which is like a six foot long steel halligan hook, and you wedge it between the door frame and that you could tie off to that and use that as a substantial object. Not ideal because this thing bent with with my weight and everything. Did it really? Yeah, like but there were guys there holding on to it as well to make sure like nothing bad would happen. Fuck, man. That's crazy. Captain Leach, he it was it, you know, ironically Pat and and myself, we were drilling one day and Captain Leach was showing us this trick with the with the with the Halligan hook. We were going down the pole hole. This was a few weeks earlier and then, you know, we did it again after that, and then that that morning we were doing a roof rope rescue drill. So it it all just kind of worked out. It was just lucky the way everything uh, worked out for me. God damn, Brian, that's fucking crazy. You guys were just drilling on it a couple days before, and then next thing you know, there's a woman standing there on the 16th floor hanging on the ledge. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, – it all happened – I, I tell the guys, so I'm still new on the job. I only have seven years. At the time, I had four years. Oh, you were you you were the the lowest man on the totem pole on that on that truck. Not that not not exactly, but I was close. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so I my truck we we've lost a lot of good guys with a lot of time. They've gotten promoted or they've retired. So now we're, you know I'm starting to like climb the ladder into like middle management position as far as like training and everything goes. But then I was definitely one of the lower guys on the totem pole. So I, I try to tell guys now, like anything can happen any day of the week. Like the world isn't going to wait for, you know, you to be ready for this situation. So you got to just be ready to act. And you could be two weeks, you know, two weeks out of probie school and you're going to the craziest situation you've ever been in in your life. And that's, that's kind of what happened with me. Like I was new, very little experience. And I got thrust into that uh, situation. I was, I'm just lucky that I had a really good crew that day because everybody inside that apartment, they don't get the praise that they deserve for like keeping that whole situation safe. I, I had the easiest part. Like I just clipped in and kept her on, on the windowsill. The guys behind me, they were all, they were all the ones stressing out, making, you know, making it work, figuring out how to take their turns on the harness, like everything that all the training that they had done, you know, is what led to that. Now that you're looking back, would you have rather been the guy inside or you still want to be the guy going out the window? I I want to go out the window. I, I, you know, I, (laughs) I, I think I'll be chasing that feeling for the rest of my career. My, you know, my wife gets upset with me. She's like, she's like, uh, no, don't put yourself in like any, you know, bad situations at work. But, you know, that's the part you sign up for. For I'm not like a thrill seeker. And I'm, you know, I'm not really all that comfortable with heights either. But, you know, that, that feeling of actually being to help somebody when they're really in a lot of trouble, that feeling is something that, you know, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't pass that feeling, you know? Now, did it bother you? You know, uh, I think I think everybody has a good, uh, uh, healthy fear of heights. And did when you went out the window, was did it even bother you because your adrenaline was flowing and just focus on the task at hand? That it didn't even phase you at that time when you uh, first made your push out the window. 
Yeah, I was I was scared to shit. Like I was like, okay, this is happening. <laughs> I, I hope you know, especially Mark was a guy that I was unfamiliar with. So I'm I'm looking at back and I'm like, so my my other friend that I was at Proby School with, who works in 28 Truck, who I do know and trust, I I'm like looking at him. His name's Tim Gavigan, and I'm like, hey Gav, is it good? Is it good, Tim? Is it good? Is, and he's watching Mark do everything he's supposed to do. And he's like, no, 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 you're not good. Not yet, not yet. And then he gave me like the thumbs up. He's like, you're good. And right then I was like, okay, I'm going out. And I just like did like a reverse muscle up. Like I lowered myself down yeah. slowly because I was like, if I just let go right now, I'm going to fucking, you know, shock the whole system and like fall. So I'm just like lowering myself slowly. Did you know you were on that like makeshift anchor that uh, those guys uh, worked out. Were you part of that decision? You had no nope, idea how they had you hooked. Nope. Uh, so we also practice uh, the same scenario when there is nothing available. Like so, if there's not a doorway, there's not a window. There's if we're on the if we're on a roof where there is no uh, substantial object available, we have a way that we've worked it out. Like where we call it like going out of the bag. Like, you know, that's a, like a last ditch effort. Like don't try this at home kind of thing where we don't have, we, we make an anchor out of ourselves. Like back in, uh, I believe in 1989. That famous video. Yeah. Yes. That, that famous grab. Yeah. They didn't have anybody to tie. They didn't have anything to tie off to. So they were laying on top of each other as an anchor for that one. Yeah, I think they were saying in that that story that they were they were losing it, and then a, like one guy just happened to come up there at the very last minute and jump on it. You know, yep, and they, lay on top. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So they they use like the counterweight of you know extra guys. So we have that we we practice that situation as well. So I I had said like we're going out of the bag, like that's what we call it. we're going out of the bag, we're going out of the bag. We got you know, and then I just. You know, I was clipped in and I just sat on the windowsill and I was, all my focus was on her and keeping her there and uh, making sure that she didn't make a bad decision. I can't, Brian, I can't, I'm sitting here and I can't imagine how you're sitting on the windowsill, you're 16 floors up and now they, they're telling you you're going out of the bag. That Instead of, oh man, we have you so anchored in here, you're totally good, but you get that call, we're going out of the bag. Now get your ass out the window. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's like, it was like, uh, <laughs> I mean, thinking back, I, it is kind of, it's crazy, but since, you know, we've trained with it before, I felt, I felt comfortable, you know, it, it, oddly enough, like I'm as un uncomfortable as I could be. I'm scared out of my mind, but with, you know, the way that we operate, I didn't have a choice, you know, like there, I wouldn't be able to go back to the firehouse and face the guys that have trained me and I've worked with if I didn't go out. You know what yeah, I mean? It's like a, it's a pride thing. Like, I think the, the way you talk about it like that with having that pride, it's almost a worse fate than falling out the window, huh? <laughs> oh yeah. I, I, especially, you know, my, my firehouse, we, we, uh, we have mountains of it. Like that, the guys I've worked with, I work, I've worked with the legs, like legends, like they, they, they're off the job now, but like these guys have been through hell and back. And if I was like, yeah, I just couldn't make, I just couldn't make the push. Or I couldn't get out the window. 
they wouldn't even be able to look me in the eyes anymore, you know. And I, I that feeling alone would be, uh, I, I'd have to transfer. You know, <laughs> I'd have to get out of that house <laughs> and hope my reputation didn't follow me. So that's that's kind of the way that I, you know, felt about it. Yeah, well, you know what, Brian, I think you're good for now, man. I think you're good for yeah. now. <laughs> Um, I, you know what I wanted to ask you because it, it's so confusing how you guys work your shifts. So here in Chicago, the firefighters have the regular 24 on 48 off. The medics have 24 on three days off. And you guys, I, I hear 12s and I hear mutuals and I hear all this stuff. And you guys like mix and match to kind of give yourself the same schedule that we have. Right. Yeah. So we get, um, we get two day tours, which the tour starts at 9 a.m. and we get off at 6 p.m. And uh, we get two day tours in a row. And then we get two, two days off. And then we do two nights in a row, which start at 6 p.m. and end at 9 a.m. the next morning. And then we get three days off. Now, if you your group number lines up with somebody else's that are on the opposite number chart as you you could do a 24 hour mutual with them so i like i didn't have anybody to do a mutual with this set so i just got off my first day tour i'm going back tomorrow morning but if somebody that i you know somebody in the opposite group numbers as me was working tonight and tomorrow night we could talk to each other and say hey i'll do friday and you do saturday and you do your 24 hours on Friday. They do their 24 hours on Saturday. You get off. You have an extra day off before your night tours start. Is that what you guys usually do, or do most people just adhere to the regular schedule? Well, it all depends on uh, how the manpower is. And, uh, you know, we have a lot of overtime hours right now. Like, everybody is getting, uh, getting their hours up. Like everybody's working a lot. So if you're working straight tours, you, it, it, it's beneficial to get your overtime at the end or the beginning of your straight tours. So you, you're not allowed to work three tours in a row. So if you okay. do a 24, yeah, if you do a 24, you, you can't work like the next morning. So, but usually like you like to line up your mutuals because, you know, everybody's got families, everybody's got a life outside of work. So, you know, I know for me, like being, being away from my house, you know, overnight, is, you know, it's not good for my, my wife and my, my son. So I, you know, we try to work it out our schedules and make the schedules work for us while also getting our overtime. And then you guys get, you guys have Kelly days and stuff like that. Uh, Kelly days. I'm not familiar with that. No, you don't have like a, uh, uh, work reduction day. Like every fifth day you get a day off, nothing like that. No. So like on our off oh, days, because you, know, you guys don't work twenty four hours. We we do, but we we mutual it for that purpose. Like, um, yeah, okay. we don't get like mandated off days. You just can't work more than two tours in a row. Do you guys have furlough days? No furlough, no. Oh dang. Okay. Well, yeah. now I now I get why you guys are doing all those mutuals now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. You know what? I also wanted to uh, let everybody know that you are a former Marine, correct? Did I get that right? Yeah. Yeah, and, yep. And did you go in right out of high school? I mean, how old are you now, Brian? 
Uh, I am 33, and I I did a little bit of college, and I I joined the Marines when I was 19. But uh, I was in I was in the communications field. I don't have any combat experience. Um, yeah, so I you know I did my five years. I got my honorable discharge. You know, got out and did some construction for a year, and then I got the call for the fire department. So it helped me to get, you know, to this point in my life, but there's really, I didn't really, you know, the, the, the whole like typical, like what you'd think of a Marine experience. That wasn't my experience. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> well, you know, you weren't uh, planning on staying in the military like that. how did you wind up with uh, the, how'd you wind up getting with the fire department? Did you have any family on the job? Yeah. So my brother, he's a, he's a Lieutenant in uh, uh tower ladder 120 in Brooklyn. Uh, I had two uncles that are retired now. They were both firemen. Uh, they went, you know, Brooklyn, Queens, Harlem. And I have a cousin who is a captain, and he's in Queens now. Oh, well, so I guess you can say you have lots of family on the job. Yeah, I, well, I know guys who, you know, it's a, you know, it, it's a, it's a family, you know, it's a family job, but. So I guess I, I guess I do fit into that category. <laughs> and oh, here's the other thing. So when I put it out that you know I'm looking for Brian Quinn from FDNY, what kind of responses I got for you having that name? Get, take a guess. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, the impractical jokers, right? <laughs> right. I got I got hammered by. I was like, this is not the guy I'm looking for. This is not the guy. <laughs> do you get that a lot? Do you know this guy? Uh, no, I don't know him. Uh, he got off the job before I got on the job and he, you know, he, he worked in the Bronx, I believe. I don't really know. I don't remember which house, but it, I, yeah, that's like the initial response. Like, you know, you know, after, after the rope rescue happened and you know, I'm like watching the YouTube videos of it and like, I'm seeing, I, I read the comments and everything and people are like, <laughs> they thought uh, it was that guy. <laughs> Yeah, they said this isn't Q from Impractical Jokers, which I love that show. It's hysterical. But <laughs> who's this guy? Yeah, this isn't Q. Yeah, that's hilarious, man. That is awesome. Yeah. Uh, what you been doing lately, man? Uh, you you work today? How are things in New York, man? I haven't I haven't been there forever. You know what's how are how are things at uh, New York Fire Department? Yeah, I um I've just been I've been working, I've been doing my tours. Uh I've been you know my son's going to turn 1 in a in a couple days. How many kids so you I've got? been just the one. Yeah, just the one. one. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, thanks. He's going to be a year June 30th. His name's Garrett. So super proud of him, but uh we we just work. We just I've just been going. I have the there hasn't been much fire duty around where I work lately, but there has been a lot going around in the city. So it's, you know, we, we just had a bad one with the e-bikes. That's been a big problem. Everybody's using these big lithium ion batteries in their bicycles now. And when they get going, the, the fire just is amplified right away. The smoke is like completely, you, you taste metal for like days. If you take any type of feed from it and, uh, the lithium ion batteries, that's a huge problem right now. And just drugs. There's a lot of, there's a lot of people, you know, doing drugs in the city and yeah. a lot of ODs and 
you know, you look out the front door of the firehouse and you see somebody like shooting up right across the street. So that's probably the biggest problem I've dealt with. Yeah, we have, we have the same problem here in Chicago. Heroin is a big thing. Um, yeah. And uh, one of the big differences with us and you guys is your medics are all like uh, separated. Right, you guys have your paramedics that are like hospital based, and they have their own quarters and stuff like that, right? So yeah, there, there we we have a uh, um, FDNY EMTs, FDNY paramedics, but then there are also uh, hospital hired EMTs for the different hospitals. But you know, it still doesn't seem like enough. They those guys, I really got to hand it to the EMTs in in New York City because. There is so much drugs going around. People are laid out all over the street, and they have their work cut out for them, definitely. Yeah. Have you always been on a truck? Yes. So I got assigned to 30 truck right out of Proby School. And, uh, yeah, I, I can't really picture working anywhere else now. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely don't want to go. Have you had to cross the floor and be on the engine? Welcome back to Chicago's Bravest Stories. On the line, we have Khalil, who got some rehab at Sports and Ortho. We're here with Dahlia, owner of Sports and Ortho. So, Khalil, what was injured? I herniated a disc in my lower back. Uh, I actually talked to Dahlia on the phone first, and she went, you know, she assessed what was going on, and uh, I went in and, um, you know, got treatment, and it was a very, very good experience. She set me up with one of the uh, the, the physical therapist and they did a they did an assessment when I went over there. Um, they had me tell them tell them exactly what happened and how I hurt my back and yeah. So they, they formulated a plan for me and you know it was really good. They're very detailed and they're they know exactly what they're doing over there. Would you recommend Sports and Ortho for anybody who has injured themselves? Oh yeah, absolutely. And the one the good thing I like about them is they're very familiar with people on the job with injuries that are similar to mine. So I, I like that they could actually like relate and actually, you know, I could I could have you know my injury treated the same way. And you're doing well right now. You're doing good. You're back to work. You're feeling great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm back to work. Um, I've been I've been pain free for like the past couple of months now. Um, just, you know, I'm still doing the stretches at home and and uh, you know I just I just keep on doing what they told me to do and hopefully I don't injure my back again. Yeah, I hope you don't injure your back again, too, buddy. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, yeah, I, yeah. we'll let you go. I know you have to work tomorrow, so be safe. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, all right. Have a good night. Thank you. Don't forget sportsandortho.net. Find your location. Thank you, Dahlia. Thank you, Vince. Yeah, I've worked in, in the engine a bunch of times. We, uh, we, do, play, like, we do a lot of detailing out to, uh, to other firehouses, other companies. But crossing the floor, like if our manpower is uneven on one side, like you send somebody across the floor, like voluntarily, or, you know, if I'm working with the guys with, with a bunch of guys with a, a lot, a lot more time than me, you know, we have our like traditions where the guy with the less, the least amount of time, he'll go across and cover the engine with those guys for the day or, or same thing. The engine comes to the truck. Like a lot, we have, we're constantly like, uh, crossing the floor, we call it. Um, and 
yeah, everybody's trained up on everything they need to do. We do engine drills, truck drills, rescue drills. We, we make sure that everybody's trained up. Hey, Brian, have you ever been uh, detailed to an engine and catch a fire? Yes, I, I have. Uh, usually, um, I've been on the backup. Yeah. So, I was on the backup. We didn't have... So, there was a multiple alarm in the Bronx that we went to. I can't remember the street or specifics about it, but we had to stretch a line to the adjoining building roof, and there was tower ladders going. There was hose lines behind the building we were shooting it you know we we were hitting it from the adjoining building on the two sides on the two exposure down into this building it was just the whole building was was on fire and yeah that was that was uh that was like probably my biggest engine experience (laughs) the the closest you came to the pipe oh yeah uh, yeah because here in chicago they won't let a detail guy take the pipe. That's we we call it the nozzle. Okay. So, yeah. So is it the same with you guys? Like a detail guy does not take the nozzle at that house. Yeah, that's how it is. Like so, fifty nine engine. If if we're sending over a detail from the truck, no chance he's getting the nozzle if there are guys from fifty nine <laughs> working. <laughs> uh, <laughs> see, we are the same. Uh, yeah. but you know, you know what is really weird when I hear you, cause you guys say the number of the apparatus first and then you, it, it's always like, uh, like 30 truck or, but I've heard you guys say like engine 49 or engine whatever, but you always put the number in front of the truck, huh? Uh, that's, I mean, <laughs> not all the time, like a lot, like guys will say like ladder 30 that see when i say ladder 30 that that sounds like weird to me but you know that's our our collar brass is an l3o i've just since i've been on like i'd say ladder 30 and be like guys would be like it's 30 truck you know so <laughs> when you're in a you're, you're in a truck company they like you know guys will put the the number in front of the truck that's so. a, it, it just sounds weird to me because here in chicago it's Truck twenty nine, truck seven, truck thirty, engine. Yeah, that's one, it, you know. that, sounds, that sounds weird to me, guys. Does it really? The, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I gotta tell you what, Brian, I was expecting you to have way more of a New York accent. I, I yeah, thought you were gonna cover like this salty New York guy with this. I was like gonna have to like put up subtitles when I put this on. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny because I was just talking to a couple guys in the kitchen and I said. I think I'm really going to have to put on like the New York accent for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, thank when you go back and you see these guys, thank them for me. And I don't want to get too personal. There's a reason I'm asking this um, kind of creeping on you social media. And I saw that your mom had gotten sick at some point, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, my mom, um, my mom, when I joined uh, the fire department, my mom had already been diagnosed and dealing with uh, Leo Meyer sarcoma. I don't know if I pronounced it correctly, but it's a very rare form of cancer. And throughout the whole fire academy, I was, you know, I was going from the fire academy to the hospital 
and uh, you, you know, spending time with her there. And she was with it. She was, you know, she was, she knew I was there. You know, we, we spent a lot of time together. I tried to, you know, talk and, you know, it's weird. You think, you, you think, you know, your parents, and then when they're getting sick like that, you just want to like talk to them and learn more about them and like learn their story a little more instead of just like, this is my mom. Like this, I wanted to know who she was like before she was my mom. So that was definitely tough to deal with when I was in the Academy. And then I hadn't graduated yet. And I remember she was like really trying to, uh, she was really trying to hold on. <clears throat> she was really trying to hold on until I graduated. But, uh, she got put into hospice care while uh, I was still living at home with my parents at the time. She got put into hospice care at my house. And I, I remember the day that I was going, yeah, I had my uniform on, I was going to, to Randall's Island and I woke her up in her hospice bed. And I was like, you know, mom, I love you. I'll, I'll see you when I get home. And she was like, what time is it? And I told her what time it was. And she was like, okay, I love you, baby. And like, then I just, I walked and when I got to the academy, we were getting ready to do like a, you know, a drill. And, uh, my instructor, my instructor like came over, he's like, come with me, Quinn. And I, I went with him and I already knew what was going on. Cause I had spoken to the drill instructors and, you know, uh, Lieutenant Tobias, who he, he runs Proby school over here. I had told him like it's any, you know, any day now, my mom's going to be, uh, she's going to be passing away. So they, they already knew. I already knew. Uh, it was devastating at the time, especially like, you know, our fire academy, it's, it's strenuous. It's early mornings, late nights. It's a lot to go through. And then to just have that piled on top of it, it was, uh, it was definitely a really tough, tough time in my life. Yeah, man. I'm, uh, I, I can't imagine we spoke about earlier. Uh, I'm down at the academy, so I see what these candidates have to go through. And to put that on top of you as well, man, it must have been rough. But, you know, I'm not trying to pry here. I just want to let you know that if you have a charity, uh, cancer charity or something that uh, you, like, follow or that you support, the only reason I'm asking is because we'll donate um, for having you on here. We'll donate uh, in your name. I, I appreciate that. And, you know, I, you were telling me about, uh, about your buddy's uh, daughter, right? Uh, son. Son, yeah, you're so you you can you can send that you can send that to him and you know whatever uh you know whatever he's he's going through like just let him know like I that you telling me that I don't I don't take stuff like that lightly like being a being anybody and having somebody sick in your family is is rough on top of the stress that you have to deal with but when it's a family member that you you know you're very close with you know mother father father son whatever your living situation is like i just let your buddy know i didn't get his name but you know i'm we're thinking about i'm thinking about him and, and his son because I, I couldn't imagine i have a like i said i have a one-year-old now that's uh that's got to be brutal man yeah he's uh he actually came home today and uh he's doing well right now so we got our fingers crossed but uh yeah you know we'll 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 you and i will touch base on that uh you know, off the air, but when you, so your mom passed away, would, would that be six years then? Seven years? Yeah, it was uh, September 2nd, uh, 2016 is, is the day that she passed away. Because your, your mother and my father 
passed away roughly the same time. And when I was hearing you tell me that you think you know your parents, but then when they get sick, it's like you, you learn. I've learned more about my father in that time when he got really sick than I had my whole life. And, you know, it was just like, I was like, man, I, I wasted a lot of time not knowing my father. And I was trying to make up with for it in that little bit of time. But, yeah, man, you think you know your parents because your parents are always asking you st- about you. They're always concerned right. about you. And growing up, you never have the foresight to think I should ask about my parents more. Absolutely, yeah. It's weird that you said that because I had the exact same feeling when when my dad was sick. Yeah, man. Sorry, dude. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, you're, you're, you're hundred percent right. So it's, I wish you had more time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, how emotional was your graduation then? Oh man, it was, it was, it was super emotional. Uh, you know, my, my, my brother, my cousin, my uncle, they were all there. They were all officers. They had their white hats on. Um, you know, my dad's there. He's dressed to the nines. We're getting ready. Like it, it was great. Uh, it, I was really proud to have gotten through it. I know my mom would have been super proud of me. She was, she's always been in my corner. Like everything I've gone through in my life, I wasn't the best kid. I, I got into trouble here and there, not something serious, but like, I wasn't, you know, I was, you know, like the black sheep of my family, I guess she was always pulling for me and always, uh, I knew she would have been, you know, standing, cheering, clapping, screaming, you know, like, so, you know, it, it was very emotional that she wasn't there, but I have a great family. They were all there. They were, you know, they're all very proud of me. Uh, my squad, they all, you know, 70 guys like showed up at my, my mom's wake and funeral during the Academy. My drill instructor was there. Like the, the support system we have in the FDNY is unrivaled. I, I mean, I'm sure across, you know, in every fire department, I walk that back, but like, I, I really felt the love from my family and from everybody that my whole, the whole Academy got together and they took, they took, picked up a collection for, for my family to help with like medical expenses and everything. Like it was, it's unbelievable the support that you get from, from the, your brothers and sisters in the, uh, in the service. And yeah, it was, it was very emotional. Well, how long here in Chicago, if you come on as a firefighter, you spend three months doing your EMT training, and then you go um, to the Quinn Fire Academy down the street, and you do three months of doing your fire stuff, getting your basic operations firefighter, and doing all that, uh, uh, meeting all the requirements for your firefighter stuff. So how long is it? it, it you guys still call it the Rock over there? Yeah, it's the Rock. Yep, Randall's Island, the Rock. That's so badass. So we, I'm not gonna lie, Brad. It sounds badass. It's a, it's a, it's a very good facility. There are guys who work down there that make sure that it is like great, uh, great training facility. And uh, drill instructors, they really put everything into it. It's, uh, you know, we, New York City, our fire, the, the fire department here, we we had the biggest tragedy and, you know, one of the biggest tragedies in American history here. So. It, it's an emotional place. Like when you get there, you feel like, you know, with all the memorials and everything, like you're really, you, it's an honor to be there. So 
you you got to work your ass off to make sure that you're ready for the job because uh, it's unforgiving. So how how long is your probie school? It's four and a half weeks, and while you're doing uh, it, you, so I forget what it was, but I think every other Wednesday while you're in the academy, you go to uh, Fort Totten and do your EMS CFR certification. This episode of Chicago's Bravest Stories brought to you by Rescue One CBD Oil. Rescue One CBD, 0.000% THC. No fillers, no flavors, no chemicals or preservatives. And absolutely no failed drug tests. They're so confident that you won't fail your drug test that they'll include a little drug testing kit with your order. Uh, you can order the topical roll-on, the uh, little drop, the droppers that go underneath your tongue. That's what I use to go to sleep. So uh, rescue1cbd.com, enter the promo code BRAVEST and receive 25% off your order. Yeah, this, uh, I mean, Rescue One has been awesome to us. They, uh, they love whenever we, we do a commercial for them because we know our guys in the Chicagoland area need and want this stuff. Um, and I mean, giving out a drug test. But then if, if the whiskey companies that I subscribe to <laughs> gave out, gave out attorney's fees, I'd be it, same, same. You know what same I mean? Same as a whiskey company handing out uh, breathalyzers. There you go. Yeah. It's not a bad move. Quick hit on the way out. Yeah. For all you whiskey uh, companies out there. Hit us up. <laughs> right. We're, we're still, we're but still hiring. To, but, yeah. but back to CBD. But CBD is good too. Um, make sure to take a look at the CBD oil. Um, and again, like Vince said, they got the roll on, they've got the drops and, um, and again, a hundred percent safe for the job. I saw something that is the coolest thing that I've seen in a while. And it was in your Academy, your pull-up bars. Uh, explain the significance of your pull-up bars in your academy. So our pull-up bars are made from I-beams from the World Trade Center. Now that's fucking badass. Yeah, so you're looking at that. You know, we stand on the yellow lines every morning. Everybody, you know, you have to be in your uniform. It's ironed. Everybody's got to be ready to go, standing at attention. And you look at that and, you know, it's, it's humbling because you know that the guys that were there, they were standing right there before you. You know, you have a, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a tall order. You got a lot, you know, big shoes to fill when you're in the fire academy. So, you know, I, I, especially, you know, guys before me, everybody says that the academy was tougher when they were in it. You know, but <laughs> yeah. I, it was tougher. It, that was a tough four and a half months. Let me tell you that we, we, uh, you put everything into it. You meant months, not weeks. When you said four and a half weeks earlier, you meant months, right? Oh yeah. Sorry. Yeah. It's okay. four and a half months. All right. Cause you, you had all kinds of people hopping in their car right now to drive down to New York to sign up for your test when you said four and a half weeks. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. <laughs> four and a half months. I'm sorry. <laughs> now that you're, you know, you got some time on, are there any of those like, guys who were at 9-11 that you run into that you know were there it, it, do you are there any of those guys left floating around in your in your department oh yeah absolutely yeah there we we got we got guys that you know they work to the you know they work to get kicked off the job here so 65 
when you turn 65, you're no longer allowed, you know, you're, you, they, you get retired with age. So guys, they don't want to leave. You know, they, they love this job. And I work with guys uh, just, just recently, one of the guys in my firehouse in the engine company, he, he was down there digging on the pile and everything. And he just got diagnosed with uh, leukemia, like a blood leukemia. So, you know, Marty, shout out, you know, we're, we're, we're always thinking about you. He's, he's since been medically, you know, I, I think he's medically retired now, but, uh, he's, he's in good shape. We saw him, you know, I saw him a month or so ago at a, we had a big, you know, party at a bar and he was there and he looked good. And, you know, these guys, they're, they're getting sick. The, the older guys that were, you know, down there and, yeah, they, they, they want to stay. They don't want to. He, he would still be at work every day if he wasn't sick. Were you able, have you been able to talk to any of these guys who were down there? What, any, any stories or like what's, what's their, their take on this whole thing? Were you, was that something that they were willing to talk to you guys about? Oh, yeah. So um, it's, it doesn't come up all the time in conversation. You know, it's definitely a, a sore spot for these guys because it was, you know, very tragic and, but uh, we have a 9-11 memorial mass every year. And, you know, that that mass every year, it's, it's humbling because all the guys who are still on the job, the retired guys, everybody shows up. Uh, they tell their stories from that day. They, you know, some guys get into it more than others. It's, it's, always, it's always a very emotional day every year. So I've heard some, you know, firsthand accounts you know, of, you know, what they did and where they were and how they got there. And cause the whole, the whole city responded. It, it was, <laughs> you know, Brooklyn to, to Harlem, everybody was going there and working there. And that's, a, that's long before my time. So I'm not, you know, a hundred percent on all the details of how the scheduling worked, but yeah, those guys, they all, they all worked. When you run into these guys who were there, is it more a feeling of like they were proud that they were there, or is it like they're like solemn about the whole thing, or is it something that they're prideful that they were there and they were working and they did their best? And what's the general feeling of those those guys that were there? I think when they start talking about it, everybody shuts up. You know, I, I they're not nobody's like. Uh, Nobody was, they don't talk about like pride of like that they were there. I think it's more of like just a very tragic event where 343 firemen died and they, they all were there desperately digging and trying to help guys that were unaccounted for. And it was, uh, more of like a, you know, it's like a, it's sad, it, you know, you don't want to ever forget it. And they're, they never will. You know, I just, Recently, two retired guys from my firehouse last year, you know, they both died within months of each other. They got sick. They were down there. They, they were, uh, you know, they were working on the pile. And it's, it's, it's not, uh, I don't know if pride is the right word for it, but it, they were there, like the guys that were there, they it definitely changed their lives. I wouldn't, they lost friends, they're, it's just, it's more of a somber tone, they're not yeah. happy about it, you know. Okay.
thank you so much for agreeing to come on. I'm glad that we finally got to work it out. And definitely, uh, you ever get to Chicago? Uh, I haven't been there in, in years. I used to, I've been out there a few times, though. I, I like the whole uh, Navy Pier area and everything. Well, we're going you know, to figure out something to get you out here so that you can, we can actually get you in the studio, man, because uh, we've been talking in, you know, for an hour now. Hopefully we, you know, kept you uh, entertained during your commute. But, yeah, I, I can't thank you enough. I'm glad we finally got to work this out because when I put it out, a ton of people – started responding back about trying to find you and the fact that we were able to get a hold of you and talk to you. Um, it was a fucking absolute pleasure to finally uh, get a chat with you, man. Dude, thanks for uh, looking me up. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. And well, when we get off the air, um, I'm going to grab your address and that way I can send you s some stuff out and send stuff out to your guys who uh, made this happen. But uh, stay safe out there. Uh, it was amazing talking to you. Uh, any last words, buddy? Yeah, I, I just, you know, I just make sure that uh, everybody in the fire service, uh, make sure you're training your probies, man. That's, it's important. Uh, being young on the job and being able to do, you know, with the crew that I was working with that day, it was, it's awesome. I'm just glad I had the right leadership at the time and the right crew and, Everybody trains and everybody knows what they're doing. That's, that's really it. You're supposed to, this job is a privilege. And I'm just happy that I was able to do something that guys, you know, look up to. Couldn't said better myself, Brian. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> so we'll uh, stay on the line. We're going to sign off here. That was Chicago's Bravest Stories with Brian Quinn, FDNY. The opinions and views are that of Chicago's Bravest Stories and their guests. They do not necessarily reflect the views of any municipal governments, fire protection districts, fire departments, EMS, or law enforcement organizations.